0: Hello and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Turn with me to Mark chapter 4, and I want to um, read the passage we used last week and, and then go Uh, further and conclude what I was talking about in Matthew chapter 4 verse number 35 it says on the same day excuse I said Matthew Mark 4 Mark chapter 4 verse number 35 on the same day when evening had come he said to them let us cross over to the other side now when they had left the multitude they took him Jesus along in the in the boat as he was and other little boats were also with him And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you do not have faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Notice that they missed completely what he said. He said, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? It's like those words went right over them. They were just so amazed at what had just happened. And I think sometimes we let a lot of the words of the Lord go right past us. And so we want to focus on some of the things that we know he has said to us. And so we talked about the fact that In life, there are storms that come. One reason storms come to us is because we're in the will of God. These disciples were taking Jesus where he told them to take him. And they were going on an assigned journey for a particular purpose. They went to the other side. Jesus said, let us go to the other side of the lake, the Sea of Galilee. And they went over there to minister to one man. There was a a demoniac. Uh, hiding out in, in the caves and, and uh, so forth. And you know the story there. Jesus went over there and set him free. And as far as we know, that's really the only conversation he had. The people came out to see what had happened to the to the man. And Jesus told the man, he said, now you go back to your friends and family and you tell them what great things God has done for you. Well, evidently he did that. After the crowd came out. Now when the crowd came from Gadara came out to see Jesus. They were freaked out. They were afraid. And they, they, they asked Jesus to leave. They didn't want anything to do with this powerful man of God. It was just too amazing for them. But this man evidently went back and did what Jesus told him to do. Because if you read through the gospels and study it out. You have to do a little bit of, of research. When Jesus was back into that area of of, of Decapolis. The multitudes came from everywhere off of this one man's testimony. Praise God. So Jesus went over there to accomplish that. And many times, storms arise because the enemy's trying to stop the plan of God in our lives. Now, this doesn't mean that every uh, natural storm that comes up, you know, some storms are just, it's just, you know, the weather conditions, the devil's not behind it. But sometimes, if it, anything that comes up to try to, to uh, defeat or obstruct the plan of God is, is of the enemy. And so, the enemy, you know, raised up this storm. And so, if you're in, in the will of God, that doesn't mean you're going to go through life and nothing bad's ever going to happen. That's not true. But if you go through life, there is victory in everything. Like I said last week, Jesus didn't tell the disciples, let's get in the boat, go to the middle of the sea, and let's drown. He said, no, let's go to the other side. And when storms arise because you're doing the will of God, you can stand in the face of the devil and say, I'm going to the other side. I didn't come out here to drown in this trouble. I'm going through it. I'm going through it victoriously. I'm going to the other side. Amen. Now, we also talked about uh, some things that can cause your boat to go down. And storms come sometimes because of, of obedience. But I'm concerned that maybe more often storms come because of disobedience. Now, we looked at Jonah last week. And, you know, he was a prophet that God sent on a special assignment to, to Nineveh. And he would not go. He absolutely said, I'm not going. Those people are wicked. I'm not wasting my time. And so he got on a boat to, to uh, flee from the presence of the Lord. Well, that can't be done. And uh, the Bible says the Lord sent a great windstorm and the boat was beginning to break up. It was going under and the, pe- the people on board the boat, what's going on? They woke him up and he confessed. He said, it's because of me. He realized that he was in trouble and he had endangered their lives. And he said, what you need to do is you need to throw me overboard. And they said, well, we really don't want to do that. But when it got bad enough, they said, you're out of here. And so they threw him overboard and, and the, the winds calmed down, the seas calmed down. Now, that was an example of judgment coming and a storm coming into somebody's life because of trouble. Now, in the Old Testament, uh, they weren't living in a day of grace. And particularly a prophet get in, could get into serious trouble for disobeying uh, the assignment given to him. And the Bible says God sent that windstorm. In the New Testament, we're living in a day of grace. As much trouble and as much uh, confusion and chaos as there is in the world, believe me, the entire world is still experiencing a day of grace. We know in the church age, it's the the age of grace. We all have received the grace of God in our lives. We've been saved by grace. We've been uh, uh, redeemed. And so we know the grace of God is working in our life. But God's grace is is being poured out on this entire planet. A lot of people are in rebellion. And they're not receiving the grace of God. And when Jesus comes back and the church is raptured out and judgment begins to be poured out on this earth, it will be poured out because people would not love the truth, because they would not receive the grace of God. But in the meantime, God isn't sending judgment. He's not sending storms into people's lives. But we as Christians, if we get into disobedience, we open the door for the devil. And the devil can send some storms into our lives. And so that was the first thing we talked about, was disobedience can get you in trouble. And then I pointed out that there's more than one way to sink, to sink a boat. You, excuse me, a boat can be swamped by, and, and overcome by waves and sea you know, coming in from, from the top, rushing in. But most often than not, boats that go down go down because they were leaky. There were holes in the boat. And so we started talking last week about plugging holes in our boats. We don't need to be sinking our own boat. Amen. God has provided safe passage for us to the other side, but we're not gonna make it to the other side if we keep shooting holes in our boat. Amen. And so we talked about some of the things. The first one is disobedience. The second one is a lack of knowledge. The uh, prophet Hosea said, my people are destroyed For lack of knowledge. When you don't know God's word. When you don't know what belongs to you. The devil knows what you don't know. And he will will bring trouble into your life. And if you don't know the plan of God and the will of God. Many times most Christians accept the trouble as coming from the Lord. They'll say, well, you know, God sent this. He's trying to teach me something. And you can just envision the devil standing off in the, in, off in the corner somewhere just laughing at the ignorance. God's people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. My wife and I, in our family right now, we have, we have relatives that are experiencing that very thing. Their lives are being destroyed because they don't know what we know. Years ago, when my wife and I made the decision to... To, to follow the word of faith and the move of the spirit in, in, in the church that we established and the, and the teachings that we had been exposed to. Our families largely rejected the light that we had. They really didn't want anything to do with it. But time has shown that the blessing of God follows those who know what belong to them. And trouble, trouble, anguish, destruction comes when people don't know what belongs and we're seeing that we're seeing the fruit of it these things don't always manifest fully overnight our life is a journey and uh you can you can start punching holes in your boat right now that might not have an immediate effect but over time uh it'll cost you and so we're plugging some of those holes. First one was, uh, was disobedience. Second one was a lack of knowledge. The third one, oh boy, it's 1142. The third one, we won't even go into it, was just refusing to take that step of faith. You know, I said the most successful people in life in the natural are people who are willing to step out and take a risk. Well, it has to be an informed risk. But in, in the walk of faith, it's not a risk to step out in faith. It's a risk not to step out in faith. And very often, people have, have brought trouble into their lives, sinking their boat, so to speak, because God gave them instruction, wanted them to do something for him, and they were afraid to do it. They were afraid to take that step of faith. That will cost you. Amen? Praise the Lord. And then we talked about... Uh, Running from problems. Many people today have developed a habit of running from their problems. People run from marriage problems. I've noticed that people who run from marriage problems get into another marriage and guess what happens? The same problem. I've noticed that people divorce somebody and go back up and marry someone just like them more times than not. And so you can't run from your troubles. They run from their from, from their job, troubles on the job, can't keep a job. And so they just up and quit because people aren't people don't people don't appreciate them. Well, you know, we can say a lot about that, but uh, the job isn't your problem. Your church isn't your problem. Amen. We mentioned three things, three three persons you cannot escape escape by running. You can't you can't get away from God can't get away from the devil, and you can't get away from yourself. Like, like the old saying says, wherever you go, there you are. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So do we want to go to, to the one we didn't cover, Start well, starting on number five. And that is blaming other people for your failures. And this is sort of tied in with the other one, but, but, but it's, it's distinctive too. Other people are not your, the, the reason for your failure. Now, other people may contribute trouble into your life. But at some point, we have to take responsibility for our own lives. I'll say this, that particularly the older you get, and you don't have to be real old for this to to be true, because it's a pattern. Your life and my life up to this point is a result of decisions, decisions, Choices and actions that we took and made before time, and young people, you are uh, you are at the beginning of your road, so to speak. Whenever you're you're under the care of your parents, your parents make good choices for you. You're required to do certain things, and the reason they do that is because they know you don't know how to make the best choices. And they train you along the way and give you more responsibility as you get a little older uh, to start making good choices. They oversee your choices, make sure you make the right choices. But you're under the, the, the tutorship and under the, the governing of your parents in order to, to put you in a position where you can start out in life and you don't have a lot of bad decisions that, that will come back to, to, to haunt you. But as you go into adulthood, you are responsible for decisions. And things that seem like they're no big deal right now, they are a big deal. If if you do not practice and make decisions based on the word of God. In other words, if you're not true and faithful and committed to biblical truths. If you start cutting corners now, you'll pay in the future. And so uh, when that happens, you know, very often people, I've seen it for years, people don't want to take responsibility. They want to blame everybody else. Well, you know, it was my upbringing. Well, your upbringing might not have been great. But I see too many testimonies of people who had rotten upbringings and they started acting on the word and their lives are wonderful today. Overcoming, victorious, raising children and grandchildren with a legacy of faith and the power of God. And they came out of disastrous backgrounds. But they started acting on the word of God. You can't blame your background. You can't blame your parents. Can't blame your... Spouse, can't blame your (laughs) ex-spouse. Amen. You take care of you and let God take care of the other one. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Paul said, examine yourselves, whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. The Bible teaches us to judge ourselves. If we would judge ourselves, we wouldn't have a lot of trouble in life. Well, praise the Lord. That's wonderful news. Glory to God. If you'll you'll take it and act on it, it can help you. Amen. Number six, expecting and talking failure will blow big holes in your boat. Amen. This is the kind of person who will have inscribed on their tombstone, I told you so. (laughs) I remember one time, Dodie Osteen, this was many, many years ago. You know, she would... She was just talking about how her husband, John Osteen, was always you know, just speaking the word, speaking the word, wouldn't let her you know, confess even that she felt bad or anything. You just got to speak the word. And, and I remember her saying one time, when I die, I'm going to have inscribed on my tombstone, I told you I was sick. <laughs> of course, John went to heaven 25 years ago and she's still here. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there are people who talk. And believe for the worse. Amen. My, uh One of my relatives once said, just a teenager. She said, well, you know, bad things always happen to me. And she didn't survive. She, she died at 14 years of age. Because she kept saying these kinds of things. All of us, church, all of us experience times in life where you know the the metaphorical tides of life seem to run low and you know things are not cooking they're not cranking like they should and just seems like things are you know the the joy's gone the blessings gone where is god we all experience things that make it look of course none of that's true but it looks that way don't anchor your boat in low tide <laughs> Because when high tide comes back, you're going to be stuck at the bottom of the, uh, of the river or whatever. You're going to be stuck underwater because you ain't you tied yourself to the bad times. Yeah. Don't talk failure. Go with me over to Proverbs eighteen. Proverbs eighteen. And let's look at verse twenty one. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's simply saying that your speech, your speech has power over death and life. I can say it this way. Your speech, your talking, and my talking empowers either death or life. Some people seem to enjoy talking about their trouble. Some people like the attention. Some people want people to feel sorry for them. Some people want a lot of people praying for them. You can, you're talking, if you're talking doubt and unbelief, there isn't enough prayer to lift you out of that because death and life are empowered by our own tongues. Particularly the more you know. The more truth you know, the more you're responsible for. And sometimes God's been merciful with all of us because we didn't know any better. But I discovered early on, sort of to my dismay, that the more I knew, the more God required of me. I remember when I struggled with asthma as a young man. I just couldn't understand why God wouldn't just, you know, why it had to be so hard. Every spring when the, when the pollen and stuff would come out, I would be attacked with, with asthma. And I'd be at work and I'm wheezing. If you've ever had ha- asthma, you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's, it's very scary and uh, it's not pleasant at all. And I would be attacked uh, many times, sometimes at work early in the morning, other times at night. I would be fine until late in the evening when about, you know, an hour or so before bedtime, I'd start getting this wheezing stuff. And uh, and, and I, was, I was just learning how to live by faith. I didn't really know a lot. I knew the principles, but I didn't have a lot of experience. And I would just, you know, I would struggle and struggle, and I, I just couldn't understand why it was so hard. And then I would take a little tiny pill. I'm talking about a tiny pill. Back then, they I don't know if they still sell primatine, but, but a little primatine tablet. I'm telling I'd take that little pill and in a half an hour, my lungs were completely open. Instead of rejoicing and thanking God for it, I got under condemnation. I thought, you mean to tell me, God, that my faith is not even as powerful as this tiny little yellow pill? what? what? been building my faith for a year now (laughs) well uh i learned to stop complaining and start speaking the word of god in faith in the faith face of defeat in the face of of it looked like it didn't work i finally had to line my mouth up with this is what the bible says and nothing different than this is ever going to come out of my mouth I've been free from asthma for years and years and years. Decades and decades and decades. But you know what? God did not cut me any slack. He required me to stick to my faith and prove God to be true. The Bible says that, that uh, this, the testing of our faith that produces, faith, faith, uh, uh, produces patience and steadfastness the big battles in life turn into the biggest victories glory to god so some of you need to put a smile on your face today because you're going through something really big this ought to light you up if you will just speak, speak the word of god and stay with it you're going to have a victory that's greater than anything you've ever seen before the greatest victories come out of the greatest tests and trials so people people you know they uh, they they destroy their own lives, sink their own boat by constantly expecting and talking unbelief, talking failure. I know Brother Hagin has a, a small book that I read way back in the 1970s and it's, and it's entitled Right and Wrong Thinking. And Brother Hagin said in that book that it's wrong thinking. When people's thinking is wrong, then their believing will be wrong. And when their believing is wrong, their talking will be wrong. And when they're thinking, believing and talking is wrong, they're in big trouble. They're headed for destruction. I had to change my thinking. I couldn't even change my talking until I changed my thinking. And there's only one thing that will straighten out our thinking, and that we've looked at in the last few months, remember? Renewing of the mind. God designed the word of God to renew our minds, to get our thinking straightened out. It's been said that some people suffer because of stinking thinking. This world is full of stinking thinking. In fact, most everything this world believes stinks. Most everything this world champions and boasts of And tries to promote almost all of it is contrary to the word of God. And so we have to be diligent to get our thinking straightened out. So that our believing will be straightened out and our talking will be straightened out. Well, I've got ten of them. Number seven. Surrounding yourself with negative people. The Bible says that we're not supposed to be unequally yoked together. And, and the scripture says, don't, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. But, you know, there is a class of believers that are unbelievers. They might believe in Jesus. They believe in the new birth. But they don't believe a lot of what the Bible says. And so in certain categories, certain subjects, even Christians can be unbelievers. Not lost unbelievers. You understand what I'm saying? This whole world is Negative. And Christians can be negative. Some of your family members can be negative. I never advocate segregating ourselves from our families, ever. God God created the family, natural family. He ordained it. We're supposed to maintain those relationships to, to the very best of our ability. Now, if you have family members that just won't have anything to do with you because of what you believe, then then you have to let that happen. But don't be the cause of that. Don't be the one that promotes. Do everything you can to keep your family straight or or keep them close. But at the same time, you cannot let negative, unbelieving uh, ideas and thoughts be your companions. And where your friends are concerned, you absolutely have the right to choose. Like they said, you didn't choose your family, but you can choose your friends. And God put us in a church so that we would have a company of people that all believe the same thing and we encourage one another. Amen. Surround yourself with faith-filled people. I remember one time I, I visited a, a, a pastor. He's a good friend of mine. And we went to a, to a, a, an RMAI meeting and and he was struggling with something physically. And, you know, I just pointed out the fact that, well, thank God you're healed. It's good to know you're healed. And you know what? He's a preacher, a pastor. He got mad at me. I mean, he puffed up and said, well, you know, I'm telling you, I've been really struggling. The doctors say this, and I said, brother, all I said was the Bible. I said, by his stripes, you're healed. Thank God you're healed. And he took offense because I wouldn't get in his pity, become a part of his pity party and get in that boat of despair with him. I was trying to lift him out of it. When you're going through a difficult time, the worst person for you is someone who will side in with you and pat you on the back and tell you, bless your darling little heart. Nobody's ever had it as hard as you have. I don't know how you can make it. I'm telling you what, you've got every reason to be sad and to be mad and to give up. Those are the worst friends you can have. You need people who will speak the word of God to you. Amen. Encourage you to obey God. Hallelujah. If you let your boat get stuck in the muck of negative people, there's an acidic reaction in that muck. And it'll eventually eat right through the bottom of your boat. Well, praise the Lord. It's true. Number eight. I actually stuck this in here uh, last night, (laughs) between last week and, and today. Selfishness. I I might not get finished today. I've got two more. This is number eight. Selfishness, stinginess, and self-centeredness will sink your boat. The Bible says that the generous soul will be blessed. And he who waters others will. Will Be watered himself now we usually apply that, and appropriately so we apply that to the area of finances, be generous in finances and water other people, but it's not just talking about fine it applies in every arena of life. people who are centered upon themselves. You know people like this. It's all about them. It's all about, it's never, they're never interested in anybody else. They never want to know how you're doing. They want you to know how they're doing, what's going on in their life, how good it is or how bad it is. We had a a pastor, Pastor Angela, know who I'm talking about when I start talking about this. That was a pastor friend of ours that we had for years and years, large church here in Florida. And every time you talk to this man or his wife, you couldn't get a word in edgewise about anything. It, I mean, they would just take over and they're just telling you all about their church and how God was doing and what their programs were and what their vision was and what God was doing and how great it was, which we genuinely rejoiced in that. We, we weren't offended by that. That was wonderful. But over a period of years, several years, we began to notice, and I, and I said to this to, to Angel one time, I said, do you notice that when we talk to so-and-so they never ask one question about how's your church doing. And we don't even get an opportunity to inject what God's doing in our church. We can't even get a word in. Because it's always about them. That's a selfish, self-centered life. And that that will cause you trouble in the future. Selfishness is of the devil. Remember in, in, in the 13th chapter of, of uh, 1 Corinthians where it talks about the love says love seeks not its own. I think the Amplified Bible says it's not self-seeking, self-centered, something like that. When you if, you, if you want to have a prosperous journey going down life's road, if you want to eventually arrive with the full blessing in your life, be interested in other people. If you have friends, you know, we have, we have friends that we don't have really anything in common with, because they're not ministry friends. So we don't have ministry experiences in common. They're just friends of ours. And my wife and I have made it a point when we're together. We ask them, how's it going on your job? How's it going? What about this? What about that? How, what, what's happening in your life? We make it. Now, every now and then, it's appropriate to talk about your situation. My wife, in the last, uh, uh, this, in this entire year, she's had a lot. On her plate, where her mother, her mother's passing, passing or uh, her niece's passing, and then uh, and then uh, 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 her sister being dependent upon her, she's had a lot. And so it's it's right sometimes to share when we're going through these things. But listen, if your whole life is always the center of attention, everything you're going through, you'll eventually not have any friends. Amen so into other people if it doesn't come naturally write it down in a, on a piece of paper and start practicing when i'm around my friends i'm going to purposely i might not even be really interested but i'm going to act like i am <laughs> i'm going to ask my friends how's it going what about your job what about that project what about that deal that's going on what about that situation be interested in other people well praise the lord amen number nine unwillingness to learn from others paul said i do not consider myself to have attained well if 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 paul didn't consider himself to have arrived we haven't either be willing to listen to other people, God can speak a word to you and can bring wisdom into your life sometimes from the most unlikely places and and sources and people. Amen. remain teachable, remain teachable always always be open to someone else having insight that you don't have because there's a lot of insight out there you don't have yet, and the same thing's true for me. I need the insight that other people have. And so even as a pastor, I strive to maintain a teachable spirit. Amen. The unteachable person uh, has three N problems. They're infallible. They're always right. They're inflexible. They're unwilling to change. And they're insecure. You know, a lot of problems people have is insecurity. They're, they're always persecuted. They're Bless their hearts. They're always misunderstood. And they're on the defense, defense all the time. Number 10, I'll finish with this. Stop allowing failure to stop you. Some people fail because they just allowed failure to take over. Pastor Hagen, Kenneth W. Hagen has a saying that all the Raymond grads will be familiar with. He said it for years. And he says that uh, I cannot be defeated and I will not quit. I cannot be defeated and I will not quit. What a powerful uh, 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 thing to live by, principle to live by. I know I cannot be defeated. See, if I didn't know, if I thought I could be defeated, I'd be more inclined to quit But because I know that if I'll stick to the word of God, listen to the Holy Ghost, follow the convictions of my heart that the spirit leads me in. If I'll stay true to the word, keep speaking the word, I cannot be defeated. Oh, there may be some little temporary bumps along the way. That's not defeat. Those are just growing exercises amen, because you come out, you come, you rise up over it, you get the victory over those tests and troubles and trials, and it's just more, uh, more experience, the Bible says, experience produces a hope for the future, praise God, and so you have little bumps along the way, but, but never accept the idea that you'll be defeated. Just say, I'll never be defeated. I'll never be. Yeah, but you just, you are defeated. You're laying here on your back in the hospital. You're defeated. No, I'm not. I'm getting up like Doug said. When he was in the hospital, they told him, you need to be on a respirator. He said, no, what I need to be is in a chair and walking around this room. He got up out of bed. When they said, you need to be on a respirator, he said, no, healed people don't stay in bed. I'm going to get up. He walked around the room. They walked in. He's sitting in a chair and the doctor said, what are you doing here? He said, healed people don't stay in bed. He refused to give up. He refused to quit. The man that was in the room with him that was in the same condition he's in. Is dead now. Is that right? Oh, he didn't die. Somebody else you were telling about died in that in that area. I'm telling you, you have to you have to to, to don't give in. Refuse to quit no matter what. Glory to God. Amen. I cannot be defeated, and I will not. Quit. Glory to God. Well, did you get anything out of this? I, I, I hurried through this because I wanted to move on, but praise the Lord. These things can help us. Amen. Glory to God. Let's stand for a moment. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Father, we, we just worship you today. We thank you for your hand upon our lives. We thank you for the mercy, that we've been given for the grace that's been poured into our lives. We have all. Like Paul said, we have all. We're full. We don't lack anything. They're just temporary circumstances that, that show lack in, in one arena or another. But in the spirit, we're not lacking anything. We're not lacking the answer. We're not lacking the provision. We're not lacking the blessing. We're not lacking anything that pertains to life. In this life and godliness. We're not, we're not lacking anything. So we thank you, Father, that you have poured your sufficiency and your ability and your power and your supply into our lives. Glory to God. And we're going to be careful not to fall into the traps, the, the, the boat sinking things that so often uh, befall people and trip them up. We 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 can we can learn from on the journey of life. We can learn the things that that cause our boats to start taking on water and we can plug those holes. We can stop those leaks. Glory to God. Yes, there will still be some howling winds and raging seas ahead. Glory to God. But we've learned how to stand up in the bow of the boat and rebuke the wind and the sea and the waves. Glory to God. And go to the other side. We're going to the other side. Glory to God. We thank you for that. Praise you, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be reminded of these things, to apply these things in our lives. Glory to God and to see the victory day after day, year after year, decade after decade, generation after generation, a legacy of faith and blessing. Glory to God. Thank you for that, Father. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Ha! Oh, thank you, Lord. Sumanga, yes ma unu un a en ma a me isi ustan e ishiga ustanzo Don't say that's just a good word and be excited and shout and go out and then go back and live in doubt. Take the word that you hear and apply it in your life. Put the word to work, make changes. Make changes and you'll see change, says the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching.